keep smiling, keep shining, knowing you can always count on me. For sure, that's what friends are for. In good times, in bad times, I'll be on your side forevermore. That's what friends are for. Hey, everybody. <laughs> I apologize for my tardiness. Uh, I was running a little behind. And plus, they, okay, so they fixed the roofs. They replaced the, the, the shingles uh, a couple weeks ago. The, the condo association were like, we're going to replace the shingles. I'm, you know, whatever. We're renters, so we don't have a say. Anywho. So instead, what happened was they also tore down the gutters. So now the gutters are literally being replaced right now. Uh, there is some noise. I think they're on break. I don't know. I was looking at one of the cute dudes that was doing some of the gutters, you know, and I was just, I was also uh, a little distracted. But <laughs> I'm doing my job. But uh, so... Yeah, so what they were doing, they were having a lot of noise, too, which kind of made me a little nervous about going live because I'm thinking there was going to be a lot of banging of the hammer and the, the using of the drills and all that other stuff. So I'm just like, dang it. Why now? Why on the day that I go live at the in the afternoon that it happens? But it it's not going on right now. Uh, hopefully for now, we shall press on. Thank you for being here. Welcome to JB Font Channel. My name is James Fontleroy. I am your host. Just to let you guys know that JB Font Channel is live on all, is also available on all major podcast platforms like Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So you can subscribe there. Also, I'm part of the Revolutionary Blackout Network. So you can find me on the JB Show on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as well as RBN Live on Tuesdays at 4 and the Savvy and JB show on Thursdays at 6. Please make sure to give this video and stream a thumbs up. And if you are new to the channel, please make sure to smush down that subscribe button. I promise to give you cookies, forehead kisses, and tiramisu. That's right. I'm giving it to you. And also, please click the little, little, little link bell. Ring my bell. Ring my bell. My bell. You can ring my bell. Do that, please, just to let you guys know whenever I go live. Also, I also have memberships now. So, you know, if you guys would like to, I also have memberships available on my channel as well. Uh, this is something new. I just, I was eligible for it. So, cool. So, I'm like, okay, fine. You know, I know Savvy has memberships on her channel. Uh, I'm not sure if we do memberships. On, I don't think we do the memberships yet on RBN, but. Um, but you know, it, you know, it, it helps out with the channel. So, but also I like to give a huge shout out to patrons on Patreon, as well as on coffee. They are scrolling down below. Thank you so much for literally, literally keeping the lights on. So, uh, I appreciate it very much. Uh, and thank you for all your support. I am deeply humbled and grateful because Things would not be, I wouldn't have this without you guys. So thank you. Uh, also, look, I just got to give a huge shout out to the people who are here day in and day out on the chat. Also, uh, 
um, I'm still recovering from surgery. Uh, my arm is still swollen more than usual. So yeah. And plus it's still really numb here and it's numb on my finger and my, my index finger. So it's, it's, eh. but with that being said, hello everyone. So good to see you. All right. Let's see who's inside the chat and let's say our hellos. AG coming in with the thumbs up. Hello, AG. So good to see you. Nice to have you here today. Robin Ryan saying good morning from the left coast. Oh, so good to see you also from the left coast. All right. Yipper99, thank you so very much for being very deeply understanding. Is very much appreciated. And out to you as well. Where Pilgrim is also in the house saying, hey, everybody. We're Pilgrim. It's always good to see you, too, as well. Our comrade, Yep X. <laughs> this stream is brought to you by Pfizer. This stream is brought to you by Pfizer. <laughs> Merck. Northrop Grumman. <laughs> I can't even finish. <laughs> oh, my goodness. T Tony Pil Tony Pla... I almost called you Tony Pillow. <laughs> I'm sorry. But Tony Plow is here. So good to see you here as well. All right. You're comfortable like a pillow, though. You know, everybody wants to, you know, be around you. Hey. <laughs> Sweary Fairy is here in the chat. Hey, Bestie. So good to see you. My buddy, Leroy. Wait, wait, wait. Maybe, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> good to see you in the chat as well. Yeah. Okay, let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop. <laughs> Pylon's ghost is here. Peace to you, Pylon's ghost. So good to see you as well. Uh, give him the boot. Said ice it up, JB. Yep. Well, you know, yeah, I got some ice water here too. So, you know. I don't wait, what do you mean by ice it up? Never mind. I'm not even going to go there. Steve, you're going to get me in trouble. You're going to get me in trouble on my own channel. And I'm going to have to, you know, spank myself. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Damn it, JD. Stop it. This is supposed to be a children's program. It's not a children's program. It's a family show. It's a family show. Sula Moon said, love. So good to see you. Wesley Donaldson is in the chat. Wait, wait, wait. Let me get to him. All right. Hello. So good to see you. All right. Tony Pillow sounds like a mafia name. <laughs> it does sound like a mafia name. Like, you know, sleeping with the fishes, you know. Oh, man. All right. Where Pilgrim, Sula Moon, Rose White. Nice to have you. Hey, JV. Love to you in the chat. Thank you so much. So good to see you also here in the chat as well. All right. Yep, X says, saw a funny ad on Facebook that has soft, bouncy pillows in the foam for some booty. <laughs> oh, man. Ice your arm. Um, I can try it, but it's just numb here. I don't know if ice is gonna actually gonna do anything about it, but we'll see. 
So basically, you know what you're doing. All right. <laughs> so what are we talking about today? So as you guys saw from the thumbnail, the Bank of America is a hater. They're hating on you. They've been hating on you for decades. They've been hating on me. In fact, they're not the only hater. They are in a group of haters. They're in the haters with people like BlackRock. They're in haters with people like Wells Fargo. They're haters like people like JP Morgan, Chase, uh, you know, you know, the old ones like Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers. They're all haters. Everybody in the stock exchange that owns most of it, they're haters. People like Elon Musk is a hater. People like Bill Gates. People like, gosh, I, I'm forgetting his name. The owner of Berkshire Hathaway, Hathaway. Well, him and his company, they hate us too. They hate us. Why do they hate us? Because we don't like thieves. They hate us because they don't like that we stand up and we speak out against injustice. They don't like us. Blue Cross Blue Shield don't like you. They hate you. Aetna doesn't like you. They hate you. Ford, GM, they don't like you. They actually hate you. Walmart hates you. Amazon hates you. They all hate you. They hate you with a passion. They hate you, especially when you go like this. Why? Because you stole from them. I'm sorry, they stole from you. And because they stole from you, they hate that you saw. They hate that they got caught. Or they hate whenever they do get caught. Or they hate when you occupy and get into the streets. The LAPD hates you. The NYPD hates you. The OPD hates me. The sheriff's offices across the land, they hate you too. And I'm not just talking about anybody that's on the left. I'm actually talking about somebody that's poor. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you that are working and poor. That's what I'm talking about. Why do they hate you? They hate your very existence. They hate every fiber of your being. If they truly actually did like you, if they truly actually did love you, well, we wouldn't be in the situation that we're in, are we?
The people in Washington hate you. They do. People can say, well, they just don't care. Yeah, well. That could be said, but they hate you too. Because they have to hate you because they obey their masters who hate you too. They're haters. Drinking haterade. Put your glasses, hit your hater blockers on, because that's what we're talking about. There was a recent article that came out. And first, before I show that article, I want to show a tweet by my boy, Nick. And so this is going to be a very interesting show. I don't have a bunch of different segments today. It's just one thing I'm talking about, but this is going to be interesting. This is Nick. Nick says, these people are our enemies, not Vladimir Putin in China. What is he talking about? He's talking about a, this is from The Intercept, says leaked Bank of America memo, we hope conditions for American workers will get worse. The financial behemoth privately fears that regular people have too much leverage. They hate you. They hate you. They never liked you in the first place. The only reason why they deal with you is because they want that money. They want that cash. They want that debt. They want that leverage. That's the only reason why they have you around. They only like you off for tax purposes. There ain't no love there. I was curious, so I was like, you know what? Let me let me go to the actual article. Let's see exactly what it says, right? Now, I'm no fan of the uh, of the Intercept because they do have some billionaire funding, just like a lot of other media. But at the same time, there's some nuggets of truth you can find in there because, you know, they have to keep some semblance of credibility, even though their credibility is pretty much shot. But once in a while, they'll put out something, right? So let's go here to the actual article. All right. So from the Intercept, Bank of America memo, uh, quote, we hope, unquote, conditions for Americans, workers will get worse. Let me enlarge this. All right. Okay, let's scroll down. And this is by King Klippenstein and John Schwartz. So it starts off, it says, Bank of America executive stated that we hope, quote unquote, working Americans will lose leverage in the labor market and in a recent private memo obtained by The Intercept, making predictions for clients about the U.S. economy over the next several years. The memo also noted that changes in percentage of Americans seeking jobs, quote unquote, should help push the unemployment rate. So this, this was from a mid-year review uh, back in June. 
written by Ethan Harris, head of global economics research for the corporation's investment banking arm, Bank of America Securities. It says by the end of next year, we hope the ratio of job openings to unemployment is down to the more normal highs of the last business cycle. So it says here, wait, am I, am I shrunken? Okay, no, good, I'm good. See, I don't have producers, so I have to check everything myself. Okay, so the memo comes amid a push by the Federal Reserve to quote unquote, cool down the economy, informed by much of the same rationale that high wages are driving inflation. This year, the Fed has increased interest rates for the first time since 2018. Historically, this has often caused recessions, and that is exactly what appears to be happening now. The Commerce Department reported Thursday that the gross domestic product, or GDP, has fallen for the second quarter in a row, indicating that a recession may have already begun. No shit, Sherlock. We are in a recession. We've been in a recession quite a long time. The only difference is, is that some of the people who are higher up on the corporate ladder, not the corporate ladder, but the economic ladder are now starting to feel a little bit of the squeeze. Once they start to feel the squeeze, that's when they're like, oh, well, we're in a recession. Oh man, I feel a little bit of the squeeze. A little bit of tightness around my throat. We're in the recession. Meanwhile, all of y'all and people like me have been feeling recessionary, uh, recessionary pains basically for years for decades you could ask me is my life that much better between 2008 and now and i'll tell you not much people can tell you and people be like well are you are you better off no and so The pinch of a recession, uh, sorry, sorry. The pinch of a recession has been felt by all of us for years. That is a Tuesday for us, pun intended, because <laughs> today is Tuesday. But that's what it is. And so they're trying to, shh, shh, don't say the R word, don't say it, shh. Don't say a recession. You don't want to panic people. Sucker, we have been in a recession for a long ass time. You saying that ain't going to make it any different for us. Oh, wait, you're worried about the markets tanking because someone says that we're in a recession and you're afraid that there's going to be a huge sell off and then money's just going to evaporate. Huh, I wonder how that feels. Shall we continue? Yes, we shall. Okay. All right. Because what the main what the memo calls the quote unquote ratio of job openings to unemployed is generally calculated the other way around, i.e., the ratio of employed unemployed people. To job openings. The more widely used ratio offers one measurement of the balance of power between workers and employers 
the lower this number, the more options unemployed people have when searching for work and the greater opportunities employed people have to switch to jobs with better pay and conditions. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, this ratio stood at 0.5% uh, as of May, meaning that we were then two job openings per unemployed person. So basically meaning If there's a higher demand for jobs, if this, damn it, screw, using the, damn it. Anyway, basically meaning that it's basically, it's basically kind of a worker's market, so to speak. It's not really, but I'll, I'll explain. So, being that there is a quote-unquote low unemployment rate, which that's even debatable here. Let me enlarge this. Sorry. I'm small. Being that it's a low unemployment rate, that means that workers can command better pay, better salaries, uh, because... there's not a lot of people competing for that job, but there are a lot of companies competing for workers. Therefore, making it so that workers can say, hey, if you don't give me more, I'm out, which makes desperate companies more like, oh my God, we're going to pay you more. That's the logic that they're coming from, right? While not realizing that the unemployment rate may be low, but it's not accounting for people who just gave up looking for jobs, number one. Number two, another thing it's not accounting for is that you have people who are working multiple jobs. You have a lot of people working multiple jobs now. So therefore, yes, it drives down the unemployment rate, but people don't realize or think about the quality of the jobs that are taking place. We are still in a huge setback as far as worker power is concerned. So you get a lot of people who talk about, like, okay, so Sabi had Jesse Ventura on last night on her show. And I'm going to be discussing this with her next week when she comes on. Uh, we had to postpone, you know, this is why she's not on today. We had to postpone for her to come on next week. Uh, technical issues. But with that being said, he said that, oh, well, we have to get rid of the extremely high interest rates. I would push back and say, it's not the interest rates that are the problem when it comes to uh, higher education. It's the principle that's the problem. We shouldn't have a principle in higher education, period. Because guess what? Back in the day, we actually had free college education. And then we got rid of it. Because states didn't want to pay more for higher education. Probably because they had to cut taxes because the rich didn't want to pay the taxes. They want to pay their fair share. So guess what? States were like, okay, well, since we don't have the higher taxes from the rich anymore, then we're going to have to cut something out. What are we going to cut out, folks? 
oh, let's cut out the higher education, make the parents pay for the high for for college, you know, just like they instead when we used to pay for college and high school. Okay, so that's what happened. That being said, now you have a lot of people who are unemployed. They don't count people like me because I'm disabled. They don't count people who may have given given up. And so the unemployment rate is actually a lot higher than what it really is. It's just you have a lot of people that are now working multiple jobs in order to keep their head above water. And so that's what's going on right now. And so the Bank of America, this is all basically, you know, a ploy to make more money. That's all it basically is. You know, they want, they, you know, and the thing is that more things like uh, more debt is good for them. Let me go to the chat really quick. Let me see. Sorry, Ferry says Walmart definitely hates me since I'm ghosting them. Yep, they hate you too. Yep. Jenna Colby, good to see you as well. Edna hates me and I pay them more than my house payment every month for them to do so. Ugh. Yeah. They're horrible. Hey, John, good to see you. Nice to have you as well. Tony Plow says they love you as long as they keep as long as you keep your mouth shut. You keep your money flowing into their accounts. Yep, X says, I finally found a job will work my limited hours so I can keep my social security and various benefits. I otherwise couldn't survive because I wouldn't be able to do 40 plus hours to scrape by. Yeah. That's true. Um, I had to do the same thing a couple years back before the pandemic, too. So I understand. I fully understand. Jenna Colby says, but I guess this is the system we have and need to embrace it because, quote, unquote, unquote, better than nothing. And F you, I got mine. Yeah, that that seems to be the sentiment now. Um, It's, you know, screw you. I got mine. Which is very individualistic, which only breathes the same thing over and over. Because once you get to that mindset that it's like, well, screw you, I got mine, which Jenna, you know, very succinctly, um, you know, pointed out that, that, that logic. Thank you very much for that, Jenna, by the way. It's that logic it's a domino effect. So it's like, screw you, I got mine. And then the other person's like, screw you, I got mine. Screw you, I got mine. Screw you, I got mine. Next thing you know, you have a whole crowd saying it. And next thing you know, everybody is fighting for themselves. And then the people who can't fight for themselves die. They suffer. They have, you know, they perish. These are the kids, the disabled people, the minorities, the women. People who 
get overlooked in society all the time or overly exploited in society all the time because people are relegated to I got minds, right? And so there's this whole lift yourself up by your bootstraps. Number one, it's kind of hard to lift yourself up, okay, versus other people helping you, number one. Number two, the whole lift yourself up by your bootstraps type of thought was actually uh, kind of a, 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 it was a saying that was trying to display the ridiculousness of individualism, meaning next time you put on a pair of shoes, I want you to grab your shoes by their laces and try to lift yourself up off the ground by your shoelaces. Can you do it? If you try really, really hard, squeeze your eyes closed and try really, really, really hard, then you maybe can do it. Can you do it? Have you done it? Because that's not the way the earth works. That's not the way humans work. Everything is symbiotic. Everything works in tandem with each other. It shakes hands with one another. Therefore, in order to be able to thrive, you have to depend on the collective in order to do it. It's called an ecosystem. That's the way the world operates. We come from the earth because the earth itself is an ecosystem. So therefore we adopt the same qualities that the earth possesses. In order for us to survive, we have to depend on one another. In order for the earth to survive, it has to depend on different ecosystems, symbiotic relationships in order for things to continue to thrive. Even in the great circle of life, this is how you have different animals that are able to continuously survive because one eats one, one eats another, and the population doesn't explode, and then one overtakes a certain ecosystem, and then it ends up dying. That's the way it works. Humans do the same thing. By that very notion, then, individualism is an unnatural thing. So the whole thought process of I got minds really is just a driving at 100 miles an hour down the road towards destruction. That's basically what it is. And when people say, oh, I got minds, you better go get yours. Some of us can't get ours. So what do you expect for those of us who can't get ours? Or we can't get as much. A person can still die from eating just crumbs, by the way. You can say, well, they got something. But is it sufficient enough to keep them living? Or even to push them to the point from survival to thriving? Because guess what? You can survive but that means you're still dying quickly. The thing is, is to push people to thrive. And that's the thing that people are like, Bank of America are scared of. They don't want you to thrive. They hate you because if you thrive, that means that they have less. 
That means that if they have less, that means they're not as better than you than they think they are. That means the people at the top aren't better than you than they perceive in their demented mind. This is what capitalism breeds, right? It breeds that this that the person who who is more hardworking, more innovative, more uh, smarter than you, that somehow that they are better than you outside of whatever variant circumstances, so therefore they deserve more, whereas not taking into account people's limitations and without taking into account that not everybody is built the same way, not everybody has the same mind, and that we all, if we all actually collaborated and cooperated, then we all can thrive together. That's the problem. We do not act like, for instance, a bee colony, which is really a very socialist, dare I say communist way of operating. Everybody has their role, but they all thrive so that everything continues, you know, to 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 be uplifted. Everybody continues to be uplifted. Nobody really wants to focus on equity anymore. Thank you so much, Jenicobi, for that. But I, I, and that was a really great point, and I, I had to I had to expound upon that because the thing is that you get so many people who want to talk about, uh, well, capitalism has lifted so many people out of poverty. They lifted some, they lifted some, but at the same time, it also left a lot of people out in the lurch under this guise of they're just not as good as you or I, which is completely faulty logic. Because the person that you allow to die due to them being subject to the profit motive, that could have been somebody that could solve cancer. That could have been somebody to solve some of our most greatest ills of our society today. You're allowing that person to not survive. What about the person that may be homeless that if they were given an opportunity to truly have a home, clean drinking water, a healthy environment, healthy food, if they were given that in a housing first type of community, in a housing first type of society, then what else could they have come up with great ideas to help usher our society and humanity forward? All right, let's continue with the article. All right. This recent usual moment of worker leverage made the Bank of America quite anxious. The memo expresses distress about, quote unquote, a record tight labor market, stating that wage pressures are going to be hard to reverse. 
while there may have been some one-off increases in some pockets of the labor market, the upward pressure extends to virtually every industry, income, and skill level. And here's the point. Bank of America explains loudly about the bad effects of high wages and high prices, but appears to be silent about the pernicious effects of high profits. The problem is, is that you have too many people that are saying that I got mine way at the top. And they're, they're complaining about profits being too high. I would come back and say, the profits are too high, but not for the right people. The profits are too high for the people who are way at the top. The profits are too high because it's concentrated up there. So therefore, now, because you're at a point right now where you have two pools, right? And the two pools, and now one is sucking up all the water from, out from the other pool. And it was great flow at first, right? And now that pool is over, starting to overflow. But the other pool now is getting to the point where you're starting to feel a little bit of air coming through. Because there's not as much water in that other pool now. And so now you're saying, oh, no, oh, no, profits are too high. Well, we, we, we got to do something about it. Next thing you know, now... You're not even looking at the people at the top that got all that excess of wealth and resources. You're not looking at them. You're looking at us for demanding what we should have. You're looking at the people who are demanding $20 an hour, which doesn't even really help you survive, but it's a little bit better than what we have. And you're looking at us and going, oh, well, you guys are asking for too much. What about Elon Musk for asking for too much? What about Jeff Bezos for asking for too much? What about BlackRock asking for too much? What about them? Hmm? What about the dudes on Shark Tank asking for too much? What about all these companies that are huge multinational conglomerates that have all this power, that are literally billionaires, that are really a threat to our democracy? What about telling them that they're asking for too much, right? Aren't they the ones that have been demanding too much? There's a phrase that goes, their eyes were bigger than their stomachs. Back when we had a, 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 a tax rate of like 90% on the very rich, they were still rich. They were still rich. What, do you think that that, that has gone down now? What? Shit. Let me look this up really quick. Let's see. All right. Let me stop sharing really quick. I'm going to show y'all something. Okay, this is just go on the Google machine, right? 
Elon Musk net worth two hundred seventy one point two billion dollars. It was literally like a hundred, uh, like a hundred and ten billion dollars less a few months ago. Literally, you know what that means? That means a crowd of us could basically steal. $270 billion from Elon Musk, and he would still be a billionaire. How many lives could that change? How many people could that help? How many people could that help? Literally, in this world, is he 270? One billion times much smarter than you? Is he 271 billion times more innovative than you? Is he 271 billion times harder of a worker than you? They don't like us. They don't like you. They're haters. Why? Because they think they're better. They think they deserve it. The ego can be a very dangerous thing of always thinking that somehow you're better than other people. I'm at the point right now where in order for us to truly make a change, number one, we really have to get rid. We have to get rid of our own ego in that way. We cannot be egotistical in thinking that someone is that much better or thinking that we are that much better than others. $271 billion. Funny part is you have a lot of people that are saying that he earned it. You don't, you don't earn that much. Rose. Meanwhile, if you make $10 over your SSI limit, you're cut off. I'll do you one better. If you make one cent over the allowance for your disability, they cut you off. How do I know? Happened to me. I had to fight to get my disability back. Also, meritocracy is a lie. Yes, Beverly Jensen's right. Meritocracy is a lie. 
Because if meritocracy was actually true, then Elon Musk should have been kicked out of his house, out of his home, had to get a job just like everybody else, and then grow everything from zero. In fact, he shouldn't have got the education that he had. He should have got an education just like the rest of us. He should have had to work and get and go in debt and go and get to college just like the rest of us. And then he should have earned all his riches. Every single penny that his parents had from owning that emerald mine should have went with them. If we truly live in a meritocracy, if you want to talk about meritocracy, okay, fine. He should have never been able to start on third base. And yet he did. And then they say, well, all you got to do is work really hard and you can get to where we're at. Bullshit. Bullshit. I like that, Leroy. Neptocracy. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. People don't don't really don't realize what you know we're actually going through in order to survive. Now I'm going to finish uh, this article really quick on this last point so that we can go to something a little bit different. They say the perspective of working Americans would generally be exactly the opposite. For most of us, it is fantastic to have lots of jobs available with employers competing for you. A tight labor market is wonderful. Wage pressures are great. From this viewpoint, the key issue right now would be how to lower inflation while keeping employment and worker power high. Such a track would include full bore attempts to lessen supply chain issues and reduce the pricing power of big corporations. My thing is, Right here, the key issue right now will be how to lower inflation and keep worker power high. One thing we could do. We could have a federal jobs guarantee. So that it brings down. The employment levels. Even more. I'm going to give you guys a kind of a it's going to be it's going to be horrible explanation from from me because I'm not that good at explaining things. But what a federal jobs guarantee from what I understand is so. uh, A federal jobs guarantee basically. Is when the government takes a position as an employer. And as they employ people for various different duties to do around the country, they also pay people 
a living wage. By living wage, I mean a wage where you do not need any type of assistance in order to survive when it comes to healthcare, housing, education, transportation, things like that. Okay. So someplace like this, the minimum wage for our federal jobs guarantee might be around $30 an hour. Okay. That being said, when you are working and then you are let go or you're fired or you quit, you are automatically registered in the federal jobs guarantee if you can work. You're automatically registered. So then you can go get a job basically anywhere that the government needs you. And then you start making that living wage. Now, what this forces companies to do is to set a wage and benefits and working conditions higher than what the government would be able to do or higher than what the government has set. That being said, then people would, if like say, let's say Sam's Club, right? I wanted to be a cash, you know, a cashier at Sam's Club. If I'm already doing some work that is equivalent to that of a cashier for the government and they're paying me $30 an hour, I'm going to laugh in the face at Sam's Club if they're like, oh, we'll pay you $15 an hour plus benefits. I'm going to be like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. The U.S. government under the federal jobs guarantee is paying me 30. You got to come up with something better than that. This forces the private sector to now raise their minimum wage up. But also, there are certain people who have ideas of different laws that make it that will make it illegal for companies to have a higher ratio between CEO to base worker pay. So it would make it illegal to go above that ratio. Some people, you know, would like to go back in the day to when it was 20 to 1. There are a lot of people who are like me that would like to go back to go at further to like 5 to 1. So if you're like a CEO, I actually would actually technically I would actually want the CEO to make a little bit less because they're not doing the actual grunt work of the workers. They're really just a coordinator. That being said, they really don't deserve that much. Most of the profit actually needs to go to the workers. But I'm also the type of person where I think that the workers should actually own the establishment. I'm a socialist, right? So that's what it is, right? So with that being said, a federal jobs guarantee would also employ people for jobs that you wouldn't think of them having jobs for. Let's just say hypothetically. You just had a kid. And you had a kid and you're watching your kids and you're taking care of them. And you're a homemaker. God, I hate that phrase, but whatever. You also, from the federal jobs guarantee, would get paid 
to take care of your own kids because you're literally watching over a citizen of our nation. You're taking care of, you're feeding a citizen of our nation. What's the point of giving your kid over to a daycare and then you having to spend that money and even the government subsidizing that when they can just pay you to take care of your own kid at home? Being a mom is a job. You see what I mean? So that, so with that being said, then a federal jobs guarantee will be a benefit to a lot of people who are unable to work, unable to work in the traditional sense because they're taking care of a loved one, whether that loved one is disabled, whether that loved one is a child, whether that loved one is, you know, uh, an adult child that they, you know, that, you know, is special needs that they can't, that can't take care of themselves. So that's what it is. And so as far as that's concerned, now you have some people that probably wouldn't be able to go to do the federal jobs guarantee to, you know, make a living wage, things like that. And that's when social security for all, that's when that comes into play. But that's the, that's the thing, right? You have these companies that basically want to milk as much out of you so that they can raise themselves up to the top and say, well, I got mines, but how did they get theirs? By exploiting you and me. Yes, Rose, keep seniors out of nursing homes because a lot of times people have to put you know, family in nursing homes because they can't afford to take care of them on their own, or they just don't have the time to do so because they have to work and take care of them. But what if your job is also to take care of your ailing parent or grandparent or aunt or uncle or adult child or little child or something like that? People are going to think, oh, this is a pie in the sky fantasy. Like, oh my God, this is so pie in the sky. That could never happen. Y'all just don't dream big enough. And then when people do dream big enough and they try to actually enact something, you know, that actually takes care of everybody without leaving people out due to the profit motive, then you have countries like the United States under the power of these corporate under the power of the corporatocracy. And then they go to other said countries and they try to extract them of their resources, overthrow their governments. And then they try to put in a public dictator. And then they go see, or they'll put regimes, or they'll put um, sanctions on them. And they're like, see, socialism doesn't work. That's like me putting sugar in the gas tank of a car and saying, see, this car doesn't work. Or this is me going to the tire, taking off a few lug nuts, and then when the tire pops off, see, I told you this car doesn't work. It doesn't work. See how the U.S. operates? (laughs) 
makes you wonder why Cuba is in the position that it's in, even though they were, are, we, even though they have the best, some of the best healthcare in the world. Makes you wonder. Yes, yep. Yes. Perfect. But why are we, but, but here's the question. We have to ask ourselves, why are we spending a trip? I'm going to say a trillion. You want to know why? Because yes, about $800 billion goes towards the military budget. But you guys also have to realize that the nuclear program that we have here in the United States is also under the Department of Energy. So it's not necessarily listed under the, the, the Defense Department. So those billions of dollars that go to the Department of Energy, actually, they're weapons. So they are technically under the Department of Defense. So a trillion dollars, a trillion dollars, okay. So a trillion dollars that we spend towards our defense, I would argue offense, that get used within this country. And then we have people who are homeless. We have people that are starving. Remember baby food shortage, baby food shortage. We have people who are in massive amounts of student loan debt. Okay. We have a dilapidated ecosystem because our our planet's literally being killed right now. The billions of dollars that are given to the Defense Department, that is money that's taken away from you because those billions of dollars are literally going to Raytheon, Boeing, Northrop Grumman, Lockheed Martin. They're going into their hands. Why? Because they're teamed up with these large multinationals that see that there's resources in other countries, namely, just like in the entire continent of Africa, that they go, hmm, you know what? I want those resources, but I want them either for free or really cheap. That means we're just going to have to take them. So the perpetuator is the corporation, right? Who is the gun? The gun is the Raytheons, Northrop Grumman's, Lockheed Martins, and the like. They're the gun, right? The bullet is the military-industrial complex that smashes these countries. And then these corporations, by using the United States government, go towards those other countries that they smashed. And then they take the resources either for very cheap or for free, including the people, because people are also resources. And so because of that, then that's what happens. This is the key to you knowing our entire foreign policy in the world. It's one big heist. It's one big smash and grab. That's what it has been. And that's what it's been for, for, for decades, basically over a century now. And so when you start to think about it, when you start to follow the money, as to why last night, President of the United States announced that they killed a high up Al Qaeda member or ISIS member. I got to look at the thing again. 
What is it because? Because it's well documented that the United States actually trained Al-Qaeda. They were on the payroll of the United States. Why? Because they needed to stabilize the region in order to get the oil and the opium in that region. Why did they want the oil and the opium in that region? Because companies like Exxon and all these other different multinationals wanted it. So once you start to realize that, then you realize that basically ISIS and Al-Qaeda are just chickens coming home to roost, which means that you can actually fault the United States for places to things like 911. Because you destabilize their region. You destabilize their country. When you guys put replace Mohammed Mossadegh with the Shah, you know, back in the 50s, uh in in uh I I in Iran. Is Iran? I hope I hope so. Correct me if I'm wrong. But in Iran, just because you guys want it, number one. The resources that were there. And also, you guys were scared. You're scared. Because people like Mohammed Mossadegh, just like people like Evo Morales, just like people like Lula da Silva, just like all these people were working to take their resources and use the resources of their own country to benefit all the people in their country. And saying, like, look, if you want our resources, you got to pay us top dollar for our resources. Come on. Then we can, we can do business, but you got to pay us for it. Top dollar. You can't just come in and take it. Like what they tried to do with, they want to do that with Castro, right? They want to do that with Chavez. In Venezuela, because they knew Venezuela had oil. They wanted oil. That's basically what they wanted. And you know what? One thing, look. Bloke and Crock is right twice a day. What did Donald Trump say? Donald Trump said, we're going to take the oil. That's why we're there. We want the oil. Why do you think they actually wanted Biden in the White House in the first place? It wasn't because Donald Trump was better. I'm sorry, it wasn't because Biden was better. Donald Trump and Biden are basically two of the two sides of the same coin. The problem is, is that Donald Trump squealed. He talked too much. He did what they wanted, but he talked too much about it. It's like it's like the kid who was told, okay, I need you to go and get a present for this person's birthday, but don't tell anybody about it. And the kid's like, okay. So they're going to the store. They're coming back. They have the bag of the gift in the hand, and they're telling the person whose birthday it is, that they're like, oh, yeah, I just got this present for your birthday. That's what Donald Trump was. He was an accomplice, but he was a noisy accomplice. That's why they didn't want him in the White House anymore. Is he horrible? Absolutely. But was he noisy? Oh, hell yeah, he was. So they were like, okay, well, we got to get rid of him. He talks a little too much. We got to get somebody who's going to shh. Okay, get the guy. Get him. Get him. Because we can't we can't trust anybody else. We need somebody like him. And we can't get Bernie because if we get Bernie. Bernie's going to ruin everything. He's going he's gonna to cause a crack. 
So that's what happened. Bingo. Doja831 says Trump was too egotistical to the point of dry snitching every other public appearance. He was a snitch. They didn't like him because he was a snitch. He was an accomplice, but he was a snitch. So, yeah. I mean, once you realize that every single military operation that is done around the world is because of money. And guess what? If people actually, if the workers actually own Amazon, if the workers actually owned, uh, shit, um, Nabisco, if the workers actually own Disney, the workers actually own these corporations, right? If they were worker owned, they would want to respect workers around the world and say, okay, let's negotiate with these nations. We wouldn't need the military to be as big as it is, which means we wouldn't need the military contractors and they wouldn't be as big as they are. In fact, they probably wouldn't even exist because the United States military would probably be just self-sufficient within its own atmosphere, build all their own stuff, cook all their own food, transport all their own things. And so then that means these multinationals may not, you may be able to take the multi out of it. Or they would still be multinationals, but the multinationals would be working in tandem with a government that was actually chosen democratically by their people. Can you imagine workers owning Tesla and then they cut a deal with AMLO, President AMLO in Mexico, and the people in Mexico who are mining the lithium, right? They're mining the lithium, but they are they also it's nationalized, so they're getting the actual benefits from the sale of lithium. There's a deal between a worker-owned Tesla in the United States, and instead of building cars in Tesla, they just now started building high-speed rail. So they don't need as much lithium as they would by putting a bunch of cars on the road. They would actually only need just a little bit because now we can have high-speed rail that transports millions of people regularly around the United States without having to have a whole bunch of cars on the road, which would mean that we wouldn't need as much lithium batteries. But that would mean that people at the top would not be very rich now, would they? That's a good question, Gene. But here's the thing. The most powerful thing that we have is our ability to communicate. You're extremely powerful. In fact, I'm going to say it just like Nick. You're too powerful. 
thing is that you have the words in your mouth. You can type just like you did just there. You can let people know of the power that they have. Keep speaking it out. Because the thing is, is that you're more powerful than you realize. And you know it now. Spread the word. Let people know. Let them know about the grift that the United States is doing, what the military industrial complex is doing, what the prison industrial complex is doing, what the medical industrial complex is doing, what the nonprofit industrial complex is doing. Let them know. Bring receipts too. That's that's the best we can do. And it, it, it will grow because you're placing those seeds of truth in people. And it may not show a display right now, but you're showing it but you're just displaying it and you're watering it and then you just, you, you, you let it grow. It may take a little bit longer in some people. It may come out quickly in others, but that's okay. As long as you're communicating, 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 communicating. They try to cut down a tree. But the root, if you put the root system established, other seedlings will pop up. They pop up. And then it's kind of hard because now a day person has to go and try to cut down as many as they possibly can. If we're all talking, if we all become like Fred Hampton or Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. or Angela Davis, or Asad Shakur, if we become like them, if there's too many of us, what can they do? They kill people like Fred Hampton and Dr. King, Dr. King and Malcolm X to set an example because they didn't want too many of people like them popping up. Their worst nightmare is having a million of us. They don't want that. You're powerful, Gene. Just like everybody else in this chat is powerful. They're too powerful. Knowledge spreads like a wildfire, baby. Let it burn. <laughs> Tony Black. So, uh, should I cover this thing by by Joe Biden? I really don't feel like looking at his face. I really don't want to. But you know what? I should. I should. I really should. Hang on. Let me check Rockfin. The Borg says the strong survive and the weak are eaten. Anne Frank. 
thing about that, think about that phrase about the strongest survive and in the weak are eaten. Is that that may that may a lot of times people will adopt phrases from the animal kingdom and apply it to us when we are human. Do we have similarities to animals? Yes, yes, we do. But in what ways we are different? The strong can survive. Actually, the strong can thrive, and the strong can also help the weak to survive. That's the difference between us. And the thing is, is that because of if we throw away the remnants of greed and selfishness, we actually all can survive because guess what? We have the resources technology in order for all of us to survive and thrive. So therefore, one person is not going to take, you know, so much if they, you know, are on a weaker side, if they are, say, you know, disenfranchised or disabled or something like that. Taking care of that them does not diminish your chances for survival. That being said, I think that's a flawed statement. Respect to Anne Frank, but flawed statement. Because you're equating animals exactly with humans. Whereas animals do have some capacities for things, their capacity is not as wide as ours. Or at least it might be wider than ours <laughs> in some respects because they depend on the planet instead of us allowing greed and selfishness to take place. But we're definitely different. Shout out to Indie Left News that's watching on Rockfin. Uh, if you guys are not subscribed to Indie Left News, why not? They give you newsletters and basically give you like these 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 nuggets that are are, are full of like different streamers and uh, people who do articles and uh, different types of content from a from a worker centered point of view, and then they send it out to you, and then you get all that content basically as a newsletter each and every time. Why not subscribe to Indie Left News? Shout out to them and the INN Network. Yes, you're absolutely right, Radical Eclectic. It's hard to step up with anxiety and shyness. Yes. However, there are also ways around it. Because you got through that anxiety and shyness by typing up into this chat right now. You can overcome that by being on the interwebs and spreading the message there. Everybody has a place. Everybody. You have a place just like anybody else. You know. So yeah. Um also uh uh yeah let me uh I put the the link to this uh article in the description but I'll I'll I'm gonna share it in the chat too so you guys can read the rest of the intercept article but yeah these these company they hate you because they don't want you to have they don't want you to have equity equity is a word that that just they don't like 
equity is is something that they detest because they feel like they deserve more than you. I think it's time for us, which a lot of other countries around the world are, are saying right now that, no, you're not better than us, and we're going to show you why. And we're going to take our, our governments back from the corporations. I think it's time for us to take our government back from the corporations. It's been long past. So, yeah. But uh, just to let you guys know, uh, today would have been the 98th birthday of the great James Baldwin. So happy birthday to James Baldwin. Um, he was a deep and prolific thinker, uh, an activist. Um, I'm going to show, actually, let me show this because this, this, James Baldwin was the man. All right. Let me. Do this. All right. He gave a speech at Cambridge. I saw what you said, yep, X. <laughs> All right, this is from Choosy on Twitter. And um, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a, uh, they did some editing. So some of it works, some of it, I'm like, eh, but, but the, the, the point is, is the words that he speaks. And so I want you guys to, uh, to listen to what James Baldwin says. Uh, now this is from his, uh, his pin shop speech. Um, everybody was silent and they listened. Uh, and this speech earned James Baldwin a standing ovation. This is just the highlights of what he said over 20 or so minutes. So it's, you know, taking pieces out. But I want you guys to listen to this. And James Baldwin, James Baldwin was the man. And I'll meet you guys on the other side. It comes as a great shock around the age of five or six or seven. To discover the flag which you have pledged to lead, along with everybody else, has not pledged allegiance to you. It comes as a great shock to discover that Gary Cooper killing off the Indians when you were rooting for Gary Cooper, that the Indians were you. When I was growing up, I was taught in American history books that Africa had no history, and neither did I. That I was a savage, about whom the less said the better, who had been saved by Europe and brought to America. And of course, I believed it. I didn't have much choice. Those are the only books there were. I am stating very seriously, and this is not an overstatement. I picked the cotton, and I carried the market, and I built the railroads, 
under someone else's whip for nothing. For nothing. If one has got to prove one's title to the land, isn't 400 years enough? 400 years, at least three wars. The American soil is full of the corpses of my ancestors. Why is my freedom or my citizenship or my right to live there? How is it conceivably a question now? What we are not facing is the results of what we've done. What one begs the American people to do for all our sakes is simply to accept our history until the moment comes when we, the Americans, we, the American people, we are trying to forge a new identity for which we need each other. Until this moment, there is scarcely any hope for the American dream because the people who are denied participation in it by their very presence will wreck it. James Baldwin. He would have been 98 today. He died when I was a toddler. So when it comes to things that he said, that was in 1965. My mother was a teenage girl. Same things are still being said today. We have to come to a, a point where we say no more. The time for talking, in a sense, has ended. The time for acting has begun. So yeah, happy birthday, James Baldwin. And I would just like to let you guys know that, ah, let me grab this, that I will continue the reading for Blood in My Eye by George Jackson. Um, I will be continuing the reading later this week. It's a Rockfin exclusively reading, so I will be doing that, as well as I will be catching up with Dirty Truths by Professor Fingers Gallop Away by Michael Parenti. So I'll also be finishing uh, doing another episode of that reading as well. And I will be on RBN Live in 26 minutes from now. So be sure to join. We're going to be talking about Pelosi. <laughs> We're going to talk about Mama Bear. <laughs> oh, my God. It's going to be hilarious. Ah, it's going to be good. Right. Also, uh, make sure to catch me next week. I will have finally Savvy Sabs on uh, and we will have a great conversation. We always have fun. 
So I can't wait to have her back on the channel. She was literally my first guest on my channel. She's about to be back on. So I am very excited to have my sister back on. And look, there's a lot going on in the world right now. Keep your eyes peeled for all the people that are trying to do the work of making their government work for the most disenfranchised among them. Keep your eyes on Panama. Keep your eyes on Sri Lanka. Keep your eyes on Italy. Keep your eyes on uh, keep your eyes on Brazil because Brazil is about to have an election. Like keep your eyes on these countries that are rising up and saying no more. We want to all thrive. Keep your eyes open and then share, share, share. Why? Because they don't want us to know or get the idea of actually making our nation better for ourselves. So I want you to water your plants. Water yourselves. Oh, by the way, did y'all like the stream yet? Did you? Don't make me check. I'll check it. Go ahead. Like it right now. Take the mouse or your finger or your or your fit or your thumb. Click the all right. Okay. Thank you. Help me out with the algorithm, y'all. Okay. So love you all. Okay. Leave the world better than you found it. Um, like always, thank you to all the patrons on Patreon. Thank you to all the patrons on Coffee. Thank you to people who send me random stuff on different platforms, uh, especially, you know, help me with mutual aid. Deeply appreciate it and grateful for that. Have a cookie. Have a cookie. If you smoke, smoke a little. If you don't, have a drink. If you don't do that, Put your feet in some Epsom salt and water. And if you don't have any feet, watch a funny movie. Laugh. Have joy. Do something for yourself today. And say a kind word to somebody else. Let them know that you care and that you have a love for them just by them being part of our world. With that, I say to you, forehead kisses, I love you, and you, and you, and you, yes, you too, I see you, lovey, lovey, dovey, dovey, ah, yeah, everyone and every man, join the caravan of love, stand up.